welcome back to the Laws of Life podcast, and today we are going to talk about, as you can probably tell from the title, about having healthy conversations surrounding racism, oppression, discrimination, everything um, in lieu of what's happening in our world right now. And so I had something completely different planned. This was actually going to be my next podcast episode. I've had it planned for a couple of weeks, but just I couldn't shake that. I just needed to use my platform to talk about this to you guys today. And this week's episode was supposed to be something kind of like fun, lighthearted, and I had two new segments that I was going to introduce that I'm going to start doing every week, but you'll hear that next week. Um, I just felt like I needed this to be something that I talked about right now and just centered around this whole topic and yeah. So I'm not going to lie, you guys, I have been really struggling this last week and as a person of color in what's going on right now, it affects me really deeply and it affects everyone, but I have really just been in a dark place as I am trying to navigate through all of this and also help other people navigate through this. Um, but like I said, I just needed to use my platform to talk about this and help hopefully help educate some people because I have always believed in the approach of just approaching people and conversations with grace and kindness and compassion and with the idea of education in mind, especially surrounding diversity. And when it comes to this, this is no different, even though I feel so much hurt right now and I'm grieving and I'm in pain and I know my community is feeling the exact same way. Um, and like I said, this last week has been so difficult for me, but I took yesterday, it was Sunday, um, just to reflect and heal and refocus and truly just let go of some of my anger and give it to God. Um, taking yesterday as a true Sabbath to just rest and pray and reflect was so good for me. And I truly, truly believe that God turned some of that anger and not all of it. I can tell you that right now, but I think it's good and we'll talk about that later in the podcast, but I think that he was able to transform some of that into compassion and understanding for what other people are feeling right now and what they might not be understanding and how I can't necessarily just fault people for not knowing. Um, and so I think in the last day, I was going to record this yesterday, but I just felt like I needed to just pray and just think and reflect and refocus, like I said. And so I'm sure most of you have probably seen on social media the hashtag that says say their names and um, when we talk about police brutality like we're going to talk about today or just the oppression of minorities whether that be on the basis of race gender sex sexual orientation gender identification anything like that um, saying people's names who have been oppressed is so important because it means that we aren't just standing up against injustices for no reason. It's because things have happened, horrible, unfair, and unjust things have happened to people. It means that we are recognizing that there were people who went through terrible injustices and had horrible things done to them, and we are recognizing that this spark of, honestly, revolution against um, this systemic oppression of people of color and just minorities in general, that we are standing up against that because of these people who were unjustly treated. So when we say their names, we are giving value to that person's life that they lived that was taken away from them um, when they were unfairly treated and when their lives were taken away from them too soon by means of 
violence by means of oppression and so it's important to say these people's names and not get too caught up in what we are doing now to stand up against these injustices because something had to happen for people to start standing up against these things and so I am just going to say some names and then I just want us to recognize and value these people's lives that were taken from them. So George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Walter Scott, Tamir Rice, Eric Garner, Sandra Bland, Oscar Grant, Trayvon Martin, Philando Castile. So those were just a few of them, and there are so many others that haven't made it to the media attention that people aren't even aware of, that I'm not even aware of, um, but I just want to have a moment of silence, and I want you all to join me in this, in just recognizing and remembering and valuing these people's lives that were lost. So thank you for joining me in that. And I think this is something that is so important to continue, a practice to continue to be able to recognize where we came from and what made us get to this point. Because it wasn't just the fact that there are corrupt people in this world and that there are people who don't value human human life. It's because they took someone's innocent life, someone's life that they deserve to live. And so I would encourage you to continue that practice, and I'm definitely going to get better at doing that, is just remembering those people and giving value to their lives. And also, one more thing I want to say about that is, don't just think of George Floyd as someone who got killed. Learn about his life, because he was an amazing person, and he was cleaning up his life, and he was trying to move on, and that's why he moved to Minnesota, but he was someone who just loved people. He loved God and he loved his community and that's not what's shown in the news it's shown the video is shown of him being killed and people just always say oh who is George Floyd oh he was someone who got killed no he's so much more than that he is not how he died he is what he lived throughout his entire life and who he lived for and what he did and I think that's just so important is don't think of these people who died as just people who were murdered Think of them as humans because that's what they are and think of them as people of God because he crafted their lives in such a beautiful way and brought them to this earth for a specific reason. So don't let that be overshadowed by how they were taken from this world. Okay, so like I said, I want this to be in educational dialogue. Well, it's not really dialogue because it's just me talking, but you're listening. So let's pretend like it's a face-to-face conversation. Um, But like I said, I want this to be an educational experience for you, anyone listening. Feel free to share this. Please share this with anyone that you know. Um, I just want to say this is going out to those people who don't quite get it yet and who need to hear this, but this is also going out to people who get it and they're trying to fight with us and they want to spark change because we're never done learning. I'm never done learning. And so I think this conversation is for everyone. But if you um, want to know more, I'm just going to share a couple definitions. And I'm reading these straight from the dictionary, so it's not wrong. Um, And so I just wanted to start out with the definition of racism, because I'm going to be talking about discrimination in general, but specifically racism against um, people of color. So the definition of racism straight from the dictionary says prejudice, discrimination, 
or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. And then next, I wanted to read the definition of discrimination. And again, from the dictionary, it says, the unjust or prejudicial treatment of different categories of people or things, especially on the grounds of race, age, or sex. And then third, I wanted to read the definition of oppression, which is prolonged, cruel, or unjust treatment or control. And the last one I wanted to talk about was microaggressions, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on in the episode. Um, I'll just explain this one from my own experiences. Um, This can be just very small things um, that are either unintentional or intentional, but they are either verbal things or just things that you do or actions that you carry out that are carrying out hostile messages to a person um, on the basis of their race, sex, age, all of those things that we talked about. And so these aren't necessarily those large discriminatory actions. These are those small microaggressions that you might not even know that you're doing, um, but these can be just as hurtful. And again, I will explain that later in the podcast. So after those definitions, I just wanted to get those out just in case anyone is confused. And I know there's been a lot of different definitions going out. Um, And so we'll talk about those again, but I just wanted to give you those definitions just if you are confused about which means what because a lot of things are going around, um, but you can always look those up. Google's not going away. The dictionary is not going away. Those definitions have not changed. So I just to get into it, um, I told someone earlier this week, I literally said, it feels like we're just about to start a second civil rights movement. And then I was thinking about it when I went to bed that night and I was like, wait, that's not right. The first one never ended. Like back in the 50s and 60s when things were really ramping up, there were protests, there were riots, there was looting, and there was fires. Okay, I'm just going to say that right now. Um, We'll get into that later. But when that was all happening and then like the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was signed, technically all people were equal and everyone had equal rights, but we have seen throughout history that people of color have still been fighting for rights. And just because it's in the law, as we know, and I'll give you a quick example, I worked on student senate and with different advocacy groups in college, um, and our state has a state statute that says that the school, or sorry, that the states are supposed to pay, I believe it's 67% of tuition, two-thirds, whatever that is, yeah. Um, And then the rest of that, the third, is to be paid by students. Seems fair, right? But in years, that has never happened, and it's literally in state law that says that, and so part of our job as advocates was to push for the state to follow their own laws. Um, So that's just an example of a way that just because it's in law doesn't mean it happens. And so just because the Civil Rights Act of 1964 said that, yep, you can't discriminate against people based off of their color, religion, sex, their national origin, any of those things, just because that was in law did not mean it was true. And so I had to think about that. And I was thinking about all of these different cases of police brutality that we've seen especially in the last few years once they've started gaining more media attention and once people have, you know, slowly started to become outraged again. 
that this this never happened. So this isn't a second civil rights movement. I was completely wrong when I said that this is still the first civil rights movement because racism and oppression are at the basis of our country. And you just you can't argue with the fact that this country and not just America too. There's other countries in this world, but I'm just going to talk specifically about America because that's where most of us live. But this country was built on a web of underlying racism and discrimination. And also, I'm just going to say it, this country was built by the same people that are being oppressed. Um, And if you don't agree with that, slavery, Native Americans. I'm just going to say that. Um, Anyways, So systems in America have been put in place that make it harder for people of color and just minority communities in general to, for instance, have access to affordable and accessible health care, access to safe and sustainable housing, access to food and nutritional food in with that. And the systems have made it harder for graduation rates of people of color to be comparable for those people who are not in minorities. So, for instance, in Minnesota, because that's the state that I'm from, White students have an 89% graduation rate. Asian or Pacific Islander students have a 74% graduation rate. Hispanic students have a 53% graduation rate. And Black students have a 51% graduation rate. And so if you also look into an undergrad, so a four-year bachelor's program, these numbers are pretty close to those in terms of um, disparities between the groups of people. And so this is just really sad. And this is just a list of some of the things that are just set up in our country to put people of color at a disadvantage and that is ingrained in our country and so that's why this is not a second civil rights movement because these things have been built from the beginning into our systems and so when people say the system is broken the system's not broken the system was built exactly to do what it is doing right now it's built to oppress minorities and to set them up for less success than white people And we call that red tape, which is basically just excessive laws that work against minority people to prevent them from doing things that they are allowed to do technically by law, but they would never be able to do because law enforcement or um, lawyers or just people who would actually carry out things such as like a land acquisition or buying a home or things like that they make it so difficult that it's essentially not even a right anymore and so for instance back in the 50s if you've heard of the Myers family who tried to buy a home in or they did buy a home in Levittown Pennsylvania they were harassed by their neighbors consistently and it was terrible there was so much rioting and just racial violence going on by their white neighbors because they were a black family living in a quote-unquote white neighborhood um, that they were essentially just driven out. And I believe there was a movie made out of this, but this is something that you should probably remember from your history books or from other books that you've read about historical events, but this is something that is so real and it still happens. It's so difficult for people of color to do the same things that non-minorities get to do because even even though it's written in the law that they are able to do that, it just makes it excessively difficult to kind of go around those laws, even though you shouldn't have to go around the laws when they're written to protect you. So that is just something that is just so heartbreaking and heart-wrenching that this is something that's so ingrained in our society and in 
the makeup of our country that it's something that's just always been there and so no this is not the second civil rights movement it's the first one and it's still going and it's we're still fighting but when you push a people group so far and too hard for too long this is what happens and my ancestors dealt with this the black leaders before me they dealt with this the people who are leaders now they're still dealing with it and i have dealt with it on not as deep of a level and as strong as a level as the Myers family who tried to buy a home because when I go to buy a home after I graduate law school at some point god willing if I can buy a home um I'm probably gonna be fine but I still face challenges every day and I'm going to continue facing challenges and so when this has been something that has gone on for so long of course this is going to happen again because if you keep killing people and I say you I don't mean you listening but I mean you as in people who carry out police brutality and just murders and lynchings and things like that and yes lynchings are still a thing and lynchings are not just hangings by the way anyways we'll get into that but for people who do that if they continue to do this obviously we're not going to be able to stand for this forever because again this has been happening for the entire existence of america as a formal legal country this has been happening and so that's just what i wanted to bring up and these different challenges that the system puts in place for people of color they set minorities back in the race of life so if we think of life as like a race from the beginning they are set back so how can we even be expected to succeed at the same rate and you can think of succeeding as winning the race i say with quotation marks but you can't see me but anyways if we are already set back by miles from the beginning how are we ever supposed to succeed at the same rate and that's the whole issue um and that's the difference between equality and equity and i think that's another thing that i can define for you really quickly is equality and equity are not the same thing and so i remember i was at one of my first advocacy conferences in college and so i got called on which is like terrifying i don't like being called on in big groups of people but they asked me hey you what's your name and i was like Janae and they were like okay what's the definition of equity and I was like oh it means like equal rights for everyone or equal access for everyone and they were like no that's actually not right someone else try again and people are like oof oof this this black girl doesn't even know what equity is and like honestly I should have known and I should have been better I'll be better I promise um but equity is so different from equality because I don't know if you've ever seen the visual of people trying to look over a fence and so there's like a shorter person and a medium person, medium sized person and like a taller person or whatever and obviously like the shorter person and even the medium height person can't even see over the fence where the tall person could maybe see over the fence. I was, I'm always a short person so I can never see over the fence or you know I've never had to duck under a door though. Actually I did once. That was kind of fun because I was like whoa I'm so tall. Anyways um So basically, when you're looking over the fence, everyone should be able to see over the fence to see, ooh, what's over there? Not just the tall person, but you can't give everyone the same box to stand on over the fence. You only need to give the smaller person and maybe even the medium height person a box, but you don't have to give them the same height box just to see over the fence. So the goal, if the goal is to see over the fence, then... The tall person can already see over the fence. They don't need a box because they can already see. The medium height person might need like a little step stool just to be able to see a little bit over the fence. The shorter person like me, I need a whole ladder, okay, to be able to see over that huge fence. Or it might not even be a huge fence. It's probably pretty short, honestly. I'm 
pretty short if you've ever seen me in person. But basically what I'm trying to say is that you need to give a box, the tallest box, to the person who is the shortest or at the biggest disadvantage. And that's equity, is then when they are all at the same site level, but they have different level boxes because in order to get them there, they had to have different sized boxes. So if that makes sense, so I don't know how else to explain this because I think that's a pretty good visual. Um, I didn't come up with that, by the way. It's been around for a while, but people have a really big issue with the difference between equity and equality. And if you've seen the movement going around that is, and I use, again, quotation marks, all lives matter instead of the actual movement that's supposed to be being pushed right now, which is Black Lives Matter. And yes, I am a strong believer that all lives matter. Every person here on earth has value. Every person has been placed here by God and they have a specific purpose to carry out. And that is beautiful and it is amazing. But that's not what we're talking about here. When we say Black Lives Matter, we're not saying every other life doesn't matter. And so this all lives movement actually takes away from the idea of equity, which is to bring people who have been historically oppressed, such as black people in America. And so if we think of it as a black person and a white person standing at this fence, like I already said, black people have already been put back in the race of life in terms of not just hardships. I'm not saying that if you are a white person, you haven't had hardships. That's not true at all. That's not what this is about. It's about those things that have been ingrained in our society, again, that already put people back at a disadvantage before they have even lived a minute. Once once they are born and you see the color of their skin, they already are put back in society versus someone who's born into white skin, if that makes sense. And it's not anyone's fault at all. This is just, you know, like, Black people are black people for a reason. White people are white people for a reason. Asian people are Asian people for... It's, like, beautiful because God has created each person in his image and specifically for a purpose. And so it's not at all about who's better, oh, who's at fault. Like, it's not about that at all. It's just about when the system of America, which is the issue, these things that have been built into our society have already set people back. We need to do more work to bring them up and give them more opportunities or the same opportunities. We have to build them up in a way that gives them those same opportunities. So when white people are already at the front of the race, it's not saying that their life doesn't matter and that they don't also deserve to win the race. It's that, hey, these people have already been set back behind the start line. So let's move them up to the start line right next to everyone else so that we all have an equal chance at succeeding. And so if that makes kind of sense, I don't know. Um, yeah. So I just, I want, I'm going to move on, um, and I'm going to talk about what's happening right now. So the current situation in America, not even in America anymore, it's actually amazing. It has spread all over the place. I saw, um, protests in France, in China, I believe, and a couple of other places. I'm sure there are more that I don't even know, but it's been so cool to see that this is not just an American issue. And it's not just Americans who can help solve this issue. It's it's a truly a global thing, and it's interesting to see because we are coming out of... Actually, I'm not even going to say we're coming out. We're still in the middle of coronavirus. I feel like we all forgot about coronavirus. I saw a really funny TikTok yesterday, and he was like, Y'all, I'm all about Black Lives Matter, because Black Lives Matter, hey, he threw up the Black Power symbol, and then he was like, but where did corona go? Like, am I just... 
did I miss the announcement when we said coronavirus is gone? It was super funny. Anyways, so I just kind of feel like we forgot that that happened, but I think it's kind of cool because it was, okay, the, the virus is not cool, but the fact that it was a global pandemic means that it was across the world. Like, everyone was affected by this, and so we had to come together, and at times we were divided as countries because we are blaming other countries or fighting other countries, but what we found was when you work together as a world, you share resources, you share tactics, and you share stories and life experiences about how to get through things. And I remember right at the beginning of everything, sorry, this is getting kind of off topic, but it's what this is all about, you know, whenever we're just chatting. It's a dialogue between me and me right now, but soon to be me and you. But basically, I saw this thing on Instagram that was from some people in China who were, because they were about eight weeks ahead of us, if that's correct, it's probably not correct, but whatever, and they were telling us, like, each stage of quarantine, and, like, by week by week, I think it was two weeks by two weeks, so they're like, for the first two weeks, you might feel this, for the next two weeks, you're gonna be like, yeah, I got this quarantine thing, and then for the next two weeks, you're gonna be like, wow, this is trash, and I, I'm gonna die in quarantine alone, which, like, whatever, it's kind of dramatic, but, like, basically, it was just something outlining their experience in quarantine to help us who are eight weeks behind them get through our first eight weeks of quarantine and like I think that's just so cool and like I think it just united the world in a way also divided the world but the people who were really looking at it as an opportunity to learn from each other saw this global pandemic as a global effort and so I think it's really interesting that coming out of this or still in the middle of it technically that these protests surrounding police brutality of George Floyd and Ahmad Arbery, those those deaths that have sparked these protests are not just in America, they're global, they're, they're worldwide. And so I think it's so fascinating to see that the way that we were united just in the last few months, we're continuing to be united now about issues that matter. And I think that's so powerful and I think it's so beautiful when it's not just American issues dealing with American issues because honestly, issues that we deal with, I'm sure most countries deal with and like we don't even realize it. So I just wanted to say really quick, like I think that is just the coolest thing ever. But yeah, just to, you know, get into what we're dealing with right now is police brutality and the oppression of black lives in America and specifically what has sparked this, and I'm sure there's no way that someone listening to this has not heard of this, and if they have, I'm gonna be the one to tell you, I guess, but George Floyd, he was a black man, he was an incredible person, he was known for kindness, known for loving his community, and knowing for loving his people around him, and um, just be an activist, he was an activist, and um, he was brutally killed by police officers, and this is following the murder of Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and Eric Garner a couple years ago, and it's just like so many people time after time that it finally boiled up and people said enough is enough. We're not going to just keep posting on social media about it. We're not going to keep just trying to prosecute the people in court who are responsible for these actions who are ultimately usually let go and off the hook for with absolutely no charges, which is just really sad, but people said, no more, like, I'm not gonna stand for this, like, enough is enough, and we need to stand up, and we're fed up, and we're sad, and we're tired, and we're exhausted, and 
but we're tired of being exhausted and we're tired of having to see this all the time. And I, I think it was on Monday night, once everything had kind of come out about the death of George Floyd, I made an Instagram live story or whatever, and I was just talking about kind of how I was processing things and giving people a little bit of an insight about what this feels like as a black person, part of the black community, when we see one of our own murdered in broad daylight on media and it's being shared over and over again. And I had just expressed how multiple people were saying like, oh, there's a video, go watch the video, go watch the video, all this and this and this. And this is going to lead me into my next point, but like, we don't need that proof. And like, as people of this community, like we're grieving this and we've, we grieve every time this happens and it doesn't even make it to the media attention 90% of the time. And so having that video shared over and over and over again is just heartbreaking. And so I kind of made a Instagram story saying like, hey, just be sensitive in the content that you're sharing. Like we appreciate the support, like, but do something about it. Don't just share the video. And like, like I said earlier, it's not about the killing. It's about the person's life and like how that was unjustly taken from them. And so I made a story about that and I just was overwhelmed with support that that day. I think I posted at 6 p.m. And that day before I went to bed at probably like 11, I had 42 people reach out to me. And like for some of you listening, that might not be a lot, but like people don't really text me that often because I kind of don't text people back very often. That's probably why. But also 42 people reached out to me on my Instagram, in my text. They were in Facebook. Like people were just saying like, I thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for sharing your heart. We appreciate you. We see you. We hear you. We're so sorry for your loss. And like, it was just an incredible like outpouring of support. And it was super cool to just see how people like were supporting me and supporting my community. And I've never felt that before. And then I also, at the end of my Instagram story, I just said like, Hey, if you have questions, like feel free to ask, like I am an advocate. I am passionate about social justice. I am passionate about diversity and this is something that I have committed my life to doing. And so I just said, like, if you have questions, don't just go ask random people, random black people questions, because that's not necessarily fair. They shouldn't have to speak about it if they don't want to. But I'm someone who's willing to. And I had so many questions of people just saying, like, I, I'm uneducated. Like, I don't understand. I don't know. But I want to know and I want to help and I want to be better. Like, what's the best way for me to help you seek justice? What's the best way for me to sympathize with your people and what's the best way for me to respect you and honor you and let you rest and let you grieve while I like fight this fight and so so there were so many people who asked me those questions and so many people are still asking me questions and honestly I can tell you I'm exhausted I'm tired and I'm frustrated and I'm angry and I'm sad but these people reaching out to me I I can stop responding anytime so don't stop reaching out because I said that I wanted people to have dialogue and have healthy conversation about this and so I just think people reaching out has been so cool and just like seeing the willingness of people to learn and admitting their privilege and admitting that they are uneducated but they want to learn like that's what I see as an ally and I also talked about allies on my insta story and I promise I'll get into my next point but I'm getting distracted but allies are people who do not directly experience this kind of discrimination. And by this type of discrimination, I mean the oppression of black people 
on the basis of their race in America. So people who don't directly experience that or who have never felt that before, people who are willing to stand with our community and stand up against the injustice and speak out against it. So that's what an ally is and someone who is actively learning, actively engaging with our community, actively calling out other people of the white community or even other people who just are, I don't want to say racist, but people who just don't understand calling those people out and calling them higher. That is what an ally is. So I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who is an ally, everyone who is wanting to be an ally, everyone who is just wanting to learn right now and who is just seeking to be better. Thank you. And thank you to the people who have reached out to me. Thank you for the people who support our community and who share in our grieving, but who know that they don't feel it the same way that we do, but they still grieve because they know that it's wrong. And so with that said, I wanted to get into the fact that you don't need proof. And so this kind of comes from the whole video aspect and social media aspect of everything. I think social media right now is a great tool, especially during protests. So much police brutality has been caught on camera and many officers who are not here to protect and who are not here to serve but who are here to carry out violent acts they have been recorded and this these acts of brutality that they carry out and they have they've been fired from their department and that's that's not our ultimate goal to get people fired but I think social media is really powerful right now because it's showing the other side that's not often shown on the news um, when it comes to protests and things like that. But what I wanted to say is that you don't need proof. You need to take, take my word for it, take my people's word for it, because this is really sad, but we're the experts on this because we experience it every day. And by it, I mean racism. And it's sad, but that's the reality because we live it every day. And so with the people who are going to give you the best information about it, the most accurate information about it, are the people who directly experience it. So when people have been saying for years, hey, I'm being treated, treated unfairly. Hey, my people are dying. Hey, my people are being killed. Hey, this is unfair. Hey, these laws aren't being upheld. We've been trying to tell people this for years and years and years, and we just haven't been listened to. And so you don't need the proof of the video to show that someone was killed unjustly. You just need our stories to tell you this is happening and it's real. And so take my word for it. Take my people's word for it. Listen to our experiences because that's what's going to give you the most accurate idea of what's happening. And you won't, you won't ever fully understand it, but the best way for you to start understanding it is to just listen and seek information from the people who have the correct information. And so I'll give you my experience. And I, I'm reluctant to talk about this, but I can't tell people to listen to our experiences if I don't tell my own experience. So I'm just going to give you some of the racist comments, microaggressions that people have said to me over the years. And this is, this is all the proof that you need that this is happening and has been happening and will continue to happen until people stand up and put an end to it. But yes, people have called me the N-word, and not just one person, like multiple people, and we're going to talk about the N-word later in this episode, 
People have called me the N-word. People ask me, where are you from? Where are you really from? When I say I'm from Minnesota, like, no, I was literally, I was born in Arkansas, but I've literally grown up in Minnesota, and they're like, oh, okay, which, like, if you don't understand how that's a microaggression, asking someone where they're from after they already tell you that they're from the States is a microaggression because you're implying that just because they're black, they must be from Africa or somewhere. And people have told me multiple times that I'm not worthy of my scholarships or my school acceptances, that it was just a pity scholarship or a pity acceptance because I'm black. And I'm not ever going to talk about on here my scholarship offers or where I was accepted to schools, things like that, especially going to law school. Like, that's just not who I am, and I don't need to prove that to anyone. I know that I work hard, and I know that I, yeah, that's all I need to say about that. But people, countless people have told me, well, I didn't get scholarships, but you probably just did because you're black and they need to, you know, fill their diversity quotas, or you probably only got into that school. Yeah, well, I, yeah, you probably only got in there because they need to have this many black people. That's a microaggression. That's not even microaggression. That's just straight up racist. Anyways, um, people have assumed that my education would stop at an undergrad and were even surprised that I was going to undergrad. And so when I tell people that I'm going to law school, they're always surprised and always just assume like, oh, I didn't think that you would be going on to graduate school. That's a microaggression. Um, this is This is a big one that people don't realize, so this wouldn't be a, a microaggression, I would say, because it's an unintentional act towards people, but when people touch my hair, or be like, oh, I just need to feel your hair, like, it looks so whatever, or when people call my hair nappy, or things like that, those are not okay things to do. Do not ever touch a black woman's hair. Do not ever ask her to touch her hair, unless you were a very close friend of, with her, but, like, even then, probably still don't do it. Um, if you need the history on that, which you don't need proof, but I'm going to tell you, People have always said that black women's hair is nappy because of the curls that are in our hair. Um, and so nappy is not an okay word for people who are not black to use. And people touching their hair, they've always done it in a way that is not telling them that their hair is beautiful, but instead that their hair is like a sight to be seen or something that they should not be proud of. Anyways, I could do a whole nother episode on that. So in my last year of undergrad, I was in a show called Dancecape every year, and this last year I decided to do a solo in our show in February, which was very nerve-wracking for me, but I just felt like I needed to share my experience as a minority woman, as a college student, and just as a person in America in general. And so I made a whole dance about these types of things, these microaggressions, these racist comments, this discrimination and oppression of who I am. And how, and how that took away from what I knew, like, my value as a person was. And so I made a whole dance about this, and I just want to say, like, me and so many other people are willing to put our hearts out there and open up about these painful and unjust experiences just to educate others. That dance that I choreographed and had to perform in front of so many people was painful, and it was tough, and... But I chose to do that because I wanted to educate people and I was willing to share that part of me. And But it's not fair to assume that every person of color is going to want to do that and it's not fair to ask them to do that. Um, it's never fair to ask someone to speak on behalf of their entire race or speak on behalf of all racism or all oppression or things like that. And so just to let you know, just because I'm someone who 
is very dedicated to this type of work, it's really hard and not every person is going to do that. The next thing that I wanted to talk about is how it's been going around saying, oh, there's just a few bad apples, or referring to police officers who carry out police brutality. They say there's just a few bad apples, but the rest of the bunch is fine. But that's, this is not a thing. Okay, first of all, police policing is not a profession where there can be bad apples at all. And I heard this really good analogy that talked about pilots or doctors. So there, there can't just be a couple of pilots who don't know how to land a plane or like who who don't like to land the plane correctly. So like the most of the pilots, they land safely and everything. But some pilots just don't, they don't, they don't want to land safely, so they land in an unsafe manner. Th that's not a thing. That's not a thing. So there can't just be some police officers who, you know, they just don't want to treat people like humans and they don't want to protect and serve like the oath that they take. That's not a thing. And so for like doctors, there can't just be most doctors who like to save people's lives and like make sure that their patients are alive let's say like a surgeon. There can't just be surgeons who are like, yes, I want to make sure all of my patients stay alive to the best of my ability. There can't just be some surgeons who are like, I actually don't want to keep people alive to the best of my ability. That's not a thing. So police officers are no different and there's no excuses for police officers who don't have the basic respect for humans in their lives. So that's just another thing I wanted to say. And we see bad apples, and I'm just going to say it, such as Trump in our government, and I will come right out and say it, I am not a Trump supporter, but I do respect him as my authority and as my president, but I do not agree with most things that he does, says, puts in whatever. Yeah, so there are some bad apples like him in our government, but the difference in this scenario is that there are other leaders in government that hold him accountable for the actions that he carries out, for the things that he says. For instance, Ilhan Omar, she has spoken out this entire time in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, and she has spoken out in support of people carrying out peaceful protests, and she has called out President Trump in these things that he has said, um, such as calling people thugs or calling essentially for police violence against peaceful protesters by saying when the looting starts, the shooting starts, things like that. And so there are instances in which there are a few bad apples and like, but that's not okay, but there are going to be those people always, but it's up to the other people who are their co-workers who also hold the same positions as them or even below or above them that need to hold them accountable for what they're doing. And so I just wanted to say, saying that there's just a few bad apples and everyone else is fine. That's not, that's not okay to use in this situation or any situation, especially in something where they have taken an oath to protect and serve the citizens of this country. And lastly, on that point, we've seen how leadership's actions have trickled down through our citizens. And so when President Trump called protesters thugs, I have seen so many social media posts that people have commented using that word. And so when you see someone in leadership do something, other people will likely follow that. And so that's why it is so important, especially as we go into this next election, is to be watching who we're putting in office because we have seen in both this pandemic 
and in this um, situation surrounding the Black Lives Matter movement, we have seen how the people in leadership directly affect how other people act towards this, and they directly affect the outcome of certain things. And so that's all I'm going to say about that. The other thing I wanted to touch on is that people who are not being oppressed cannot tell people who are being oppressed how to react and how to feel. So how I feel during all this is valid, regardless of what it is that I'm feeling. If I'm feeling sadness one day, that's valid. If I'm feeling anger, that's valid. If I'm feeling hurt, that's valid. If I feel happy one day, that's valid. But people who are not experiencing this, or even people who are experiencing this, cannot tell me how to feel and how to react. Because that takes the power away from the people being oppressed, and it gives the power to the oppressors. And so, this part of the issue is not about the people who are not being oppressed. And I think when we look at the different riots and lootings and the fires that have started, first of all, I want to say, get your facts right before you make any assumptions about these or accusations about these riots, lootings, fires, because there's been so many white extremist groups that have been coming in. And yes, those are a thing. The KKK, yes, that's a, still a thing and has always been a thing still. People just like to turn a blind eye to that. But those groups have been coming in to these peaceful protests and inciting violence to make it look like these peaceful protesters are starting this violence. And I'm not, I'm not going to make excuses for everyone because I have no way of knowing if all peaceful protesters have always been peaceful. And I can't say that no black person has looted and no black person has set a fire because we've seen videos of doing it. But what is not okay is people telling them that the hurt that they're feeling is not valid, that the pain that people are feeling is not valid. And so get your facts right because most of this non-peaceful protesting has not been done by the people who are feeling this movement, first of all. And then when we let the riots and lootings and fires we let this overshadow the actual movement because i have seen so many people who didn't post a single thing who didn't talk and i've been around these people too so it's not even just like about them posting it it's about people who have not cared at all about the movement about the murders about any of this until their beautiful city was being destroyed that's when you know like you're part of the problem if you care more about the destruction of a city than the destruction of lives because Buildings can be rebuilt, businesses can be rebuilt, and I'm not a proponent of violence or fires or anything like that. I would always go the peaceful route, but those can always be rebuilt, and, like, lives cannot be brought back. So, like, I've been telling people who get really angry about this is, like, check your heart and, like, check where your heart is in this, because if you're getting more angry about that than about the reasons behind the movement, then you are a part of the problem and you're part of the issue. So, that's all I'm going to say about that. And like I said, be an ally with the black community and the movement, because if you are not actively standing with the oppressed, you are part of the issue. And there's, there's no longer a neutral or I just, I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to. That, that's no longer a thing. If you are neutral, that is giving power to the oppressors. And so here's some things that you should do as a person if you are looking to start healthy conversations about racism, about oppression, or looking to get involved in protesting or just involving yourself in this movement educate yourself listen to our experiences follow black leaders like sean king he's on instagram um and i don't think that's a coincidence that his last name is king he is an amazing human being and he has bringing 
he's been bringing so much awareness to what's been going on, especially during the protests and everything, and he has been bringing justice for people's families um, who have had either sons or brothers or husbands been murdered by police brutality or just in general. Um, He's been bringing justice for a very long time, and he's also with the Grassroots Law Association, I believe they're called. And so look him up on Instagram, Sean King. And again, I don't think it's a coincidence that his last name is King because he is an amazing leader in this whole movement. And Tamika Mallory. You can also follow her on Instagram. She's given lots of speeches and everything. And then my second thing is don't get mad when people call you out. So this is just something I wanted to address because I have... Like I said, I've had a lot of conversations with people who have asked me questions and who have been very respectful, and I'm not really someone to go out and call out people for things that they're doing wrong, but there's been just a couple of instances of people being blatantly ignorant or just racist towards people, and I've just said, like, hey, I don't know if you've seen it this way, but this is kind of how it comes off to a person of color, and, like, this is not what being an ally means, and I know that you said you wanted to be an ally, so here's just something to think about. And there has been people who have responded really well to that and who have been like, wow, I didn't even see that. Like, thank you so much for pointing that out. Like, how can I be better? But then there's been people who either don't respond or people who just respond in anger or frustration. And again, I'm not trying to tell them how to feel, but if you, first of all, are not even experiencing this oppression and you can't even handle any kind of criticism or any kind words, honestly respectful words that I've used to just say like, hey, have you thought of it this way? And you can't even have that conversation. Do not, don't get mad when people are going to call you out because not everyone's going to do it as respectfully as I or some other people do. And yeah, so don't get mad about that. Don't take words out of context to support your agenda and your opinion. And so this is something that we've seen a lot, especially with Martin Luther King's words and Malcolm X's words. These are two leaders who people keep saying they had opposite tactics, which they did have some different philosophies and stuff, but they were on the side of black justice and justice for the black community and for empowering black people and giving us equal rights. And so they had a very common goal. They just went about it a little bit differently, but people have been taking like one quote from each of them and just been using it to fight against protesters or fight against people or use it towards to their political agenda or things like that. So do not take those words out of context. Actually research MLK, actually research Malcolm X and the work that they did because I think what you'll find is very different than what you thought of them or what you just learned briefly in your eighth grade history class. And the last couple of things are don't put the burden on the people being oppressed to speak out. And so like I said, not everyone is not everyone is able to speak out about their experiences because they've experienced such trauma or such pain. And even if they haven't, they have no obligation to be the ones to speak out. Because we're the ones being oppressed, we have no obligation to be the ones who are fighting for things to change. And I've seen some really great videos of during protests, people who know that they have white privilege, using that white privilege to an advantage to get between people of color and police officers and stand up against the police officers because they have a lot less chance of being brutalized or of being murdered and so that is a really like visual way of it but also like use 
your privilege to your advantage to reach your legislators, to reach your lawmakers, to reach your police departments and your mayors and your governors and your DAs and things like that. And you cannot put the burden on the people being oppressed to fix the oppression because they're being oppressed, if that makes sense. And the last thing I will say is have conversations. And so this is this is my biggest piece of advice when people ask me, well, what do I do next? Or like, what are my next steps? And I tell them, just have conversations and educate yourself, but also have conversations within your family, within the people you are quarantined with, within your friends. Have conversations and dig deep. Don't be afraid to say, what kind of biases have I held in the past? What kind of assumptions have I made? And how was I raised? And like, what environment around me was I raised in that made me think this way? And start analyzing some of those things because you probably don't even realize some of the things that you've come to believe or some of the things that you have thought that made you probably treat people differently than they deserve to be treated or even factoring into how you're responding to this specific situation right now. And so have conversations with people, ask questions, don't be afraid to call people out in a loving way and be respectful to other people. But without these conversations and then action to follow it up and if you have questions about how to take action, if you just Google donations for Black Lives Matter or ways to help, um, if you don't want to go to a protest, you can help clean up from a protest or go hand out food or snacks or medical aid to the people who are protesting, things like that. There's donations everywhere that you can donate to and that's like the least you can do is having a conversation and then taking action on it with those people that you're having a conversation with. So if you're talking to your family, go take action with your family. If you're talking to your friends, also go take action with your friends. And that's just a way to hold each other accountable and also to learn together. And so that is kind of all I have today. And again, this was kind of just me rambling all of my thoughts. I didn't really plan anything out. Um, but if you have questions, you can always DM me at Janae Mann on Instagram. Otherwise, I would just encourage you to remember to say their names, give them respect and value their lives, and just kind of check where your heart is in all of this. And don't forget to have conversations, take action, and yeah, that's all I have for you today.